Chapter Eight of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: A Strange Applicant. This is Harlowe House, isn't it? Was a sharp question that assailed Grace's ears. Yes. Grace's eyes travelled in amazement over the curious little stranger within her gates. She was a girl of perhaps eighteen, although there was a strained, anxious expression in her large brown eyes that made her look positively aged, an effect which the three deep lines in her high projecting forehead served to emphasise. If she possessed hair, it was not visible under the small round hat of a bygone style which set down upon her head like a helmet. She wore a plain cheap black skirt and a queer old-fashioned white blouse made with a peplum. Around her waist was a leather belt, and on her feet were coarse, heavy shoes, such as a farm labourer might wear. In one hand she carried a large bundle, in a newspaper wrapping. "'I'm so glad. I thought I'd never get here,' she said simply. Grace and Emma exchanged amazed glances. "'This must be the maid. But such a maid!' "'Are you the young woman Miss Selwood engaged?' asked Grace politely. The girl shook her head. I don't know what you mean. No one engaged me. I just came because I heard about Harlowe House and wanted to go to college. I've passed all my high school examinations and I've a scholarship too. They wouldn't let me come so I ran away from home and walked all the way here. Is it true that a girl can live at Harlowe House without having to pay her board? She eyed Grace with a look of mingled anxiety and defiance. Oh! Grace's amazed look changed to one of interested concern. Pardon me, I thought you were a young woman of whom Mrs. Elwood of Wayne Hall had spoken. I don't know Mrs. Elwood. I never heard of Wayne Hall. I don't know a soul in this town. I only know that I want to go to Woveton College more than I ever wanted anything else in my life. Do you suppose there's a chance for me to live at Harlow House and study? I've walked over a hundred miles to find out finished the queer little stranger pleadingly. "'Over a hundred miles?' repeated Grace and Emma in chorus. The girl nodded solemnly. "'You poor child!' exclaimed Emma Dean impulsively. "'If your wish to be an Overton girl brought you that distance on foot, I should say you ought to have all the chance there is. At any rate you have replied to the proper authority. This is Miss Harlowe, for whom Harlowe House was named, and who is to be in charge of it.' I am Miss Dean of nineteen-something, and now assistant in English at Overton. But the knowledge that she was face to face with the person who held the privilege of being a member of Harlow House in her hands overcame the quaint stranger with a sudden shyness. She shifted her weight uneasily from one foot to the other, twisted her thin bony hands nervously, while her forehead was corrugated afresh with deep wrinkles. With the frank, winning smile, which was one of Grace's chief charms, she held out her hand to the other girl. "'I'm glad to know you,' she said. "'Won't you tell me your name?' "'Mary Reynolds,' returned the newcomer in a low voice as she timidly shook Grace's proffered hand, then Emma's. "'I shall be glad to welcome you to Harlow House,' said Grace cordially, "'provided you can fulfil the requirements necessary for entering Overton.' I'm going over to Miss Wilder's office this afternoon, and if you wish to go with me, you can learn all the particulars. 
Until then, however, you had better come into the house with Miss Dean and me. I am sure you must be very tired. Yes, I am, but I don't mind that. I am here and nothing else matters, returned the girl so fervently that Grace felt a sudden mist rise to her eyes, and she determined then and there that if this curious, destitute little stranger succeeded in measuring up to Overton's mental requirements, she would smooth in every possible way her path, which she foresaw would be troubled. "'And now for our triumphal entry into Harlow House,' declared Emma Dean, as she and Grace picked up their luggage, and followed by Mary Reynolds and her huge newspaper-wrapped bundle, mounted the steps. At the door Grace again set down her luggage, Fumbling for her latch-key, she fitted it into the lock. "'What a perfectly delightful place!' was Emma's enthusiastic cry as she stepped into the hall, which was done in oak with furnishings to match. "'Commend me to the living-room!' She poked her head inquisitively through the soft green silk hangings, and after surveying the pretty room for an instant, made a dive for the window-seat. "'Oh, you window-seat!' she laughed with a fine disregard for dignity. Grace laughed with her, and queer little Mary Reynolds smiled in sheer sympathy with Emma's irresistible drollery. "'I choose the green window seat for my boon companion,' declared Emma, curling her wiry length cosily upon it. "'And may I be ever faithful to my vows. I expect to have difficulty in protecting my claim, for I predict this will be the most popular spot in the house. May I put up a sign, Grace? This claim is staked by Emma Dean. No others need apply.' "'You may stake it, but I won't guarantee that it will stay staked,' replied Grace. "'Oh, yes, it will,' argued Emma confidently, bouncing up and down on the soft springy cushions. "'The freshmen of Harlow House will be so impressed with my height, dignity and general appearance that they will defer to me as a matter of course. One imperious look like this over my glasses, and the world will be mine.' She peered over her glasses at Grace in a ludicrous fashion, which was far more likely to convulse rather than impress the prospective freshman. Even the solemn stranger giggled outright, then looked as though she had been caught red-handed in some dreadful crime. "'I'd like to recite English in one of your classes, Emma,' smiled Grace. "'Now there is just where you are wrong,' retorted Emma. "'I shouldn't have a single amusing feature in my daily round of recitations.' I shall be as grim as grim can be and a regular slave-driver as far as lessons are concerned. Those freshmen will wish they had never met me. Emma wagged her head threateningly. Stop making such dire threats and come upstairs to see our quarters, commanded Grace. Emma uncoiled herself from the window-seat with alacrity and began gathering up her belongings. Grace turned kindly to Mary Reynolds. If you'll come upstairs with us, Miss Reynolds... I think we can easily find a room for you. So far I do not know just how many applicants Miss Wilder has received. As I told you, I am going over to her office after luncheon. You had better go to your room and rest a little, and then take luncheon with Miss Dean and me, and go with us to Overton Hall to see Miss Wilder. I, I, thank you, stammered the girl, the dull colour flooding her sunburnt cheeks. I'm afraid I... "'Can't go to luncheon with you. I'm not very hungry.' Emma Dean flashed a quick appraising glance at her from under her eyelashes. "'Neither are we,' she assured the embarrassed girl. "'But still we don't care to miss luncheon entirely. 
You are a stranger in a strange land, so you must be our guest. And then some day, when you are seasoned over tonight, we'll insist on being yours. Mary Reynolds regarded the two young women with shy, grateful eyes. It was so good to me. You must know, of course, that I am very poor. I have nothing in the world but this bundle of clothes and ten dollars, she said humbly. It took me two years to save it. I've been so sure that there would be some little corner of this wonderful house for me. I can't bear to think that I may be too late. I don't know where I'd go. I guess I'd have to try to find some place else. Do you suppose I'm too late? Her tones vibrated with alarm. Of course you aren't, soothed Emma Dean. I'm always late, but as I used to tell Miss Harlowe, I'm hardly ever too late. You may be almost the first girl to reply, or you may be almost the latest, but not the too latest. There, isn't that encouraging? The best thing for you to do is to have an early luncheon and a long sleep. Suppose we go down to Vinton's Grace as soon as we get the fond souvenirs of the railroad off our faces, then I'll come back here with Miss Reynolds and you can go on to Overton to see Miss Wilder. My business with her will keep until tomorrow. This little girl is too tired for interviews today. I think that's dear in you, Emma, and real wisdom, too. Now let's go upstairs at once. Grace led the way, and the trio ascended to the second story. I'm going to put you in this room for the present, Miss Reynolds, said Grace. She paused before a door that faced the head of the stairs and threw it open. It was a pretty room, papered in dainty blue and white, with a blue and white floor rug and white enameled furniture. There were crisp white dotted Swiss curtains at the windows and a sheer blue and white ruffled cover on the dressing table, and on the walls hung several neatly framed watercolour and pen and ink sketches. The shabby, tired girl gave a long sigh of satisfaction and weariness as she stood in the middle of the floor, her eyes eagerly devouring the room. "'The bathroom is at the end of the hall,' said Grace gently. "'We'll stop for you in about half an hour.' The other girl did not answer, and Grace and Emma slipped away, leaving her to get used to her new surroundings. "'Well, did you ever?' asked Emma the moment they were inside Grace's sitting-room with the door closed. Grace shook her head. "'Poor little thing,' she murmured. "'She can't possibly go about Overton in those clothes, Emma.' "'Yet I can't offer her any of mine. She seems independent. I'm afraid she would resent it. I wonder what her story is. Did you notice she said that they wouldn't let her go to college, so she had to run away from home?' Suppose some one of her family should follow her here, just after we had nicely established her at Harlowe House. We must find out everything about her. I won't bother her with questions while she is so tired. I'm sure she is eighteen, declared Emma positively. That will free her from parental sway in this state. I think it would be a greater tragedy if she has come too late. What is the highest number Harlowe House will accommodate? Thirty-two, answered Grace. Then let us hope that Mary Reynolds is not unlucky thirty-three. The sooner you go to see Miss Wilder, the sooner you'll know her fate. Now I'm going on a tour of exploration and noisy admiration. I'm sure I haven't O's and R's enough to fully express my feeling of alleviated pleasure at so much magnificence. And to think that I, ordinary, everyday me, should be asked to become co-partner to all this. 
Emma struck an attitude and launched forth into fresh extravagances over the tastefully furnished suite of rooms. "'Emma, you ridiculous creature, wind up your lecture and get ready for luncheon,' commanded Grace affectionately. "'Not until I've seen the last saw,' returned Emma firmly. For the next ten minutes she prowled and peered, examined and admired, to her heart's content. "'Now I've seen everything.' she averred at last with calm satisfaction, and I'm twice as hungry as I was. But I can't leave off thinking what a lucky person Emma Dean is to have all this grandeur and Grace Harlowe thrown in. And I can't help think what a lucky person Grace Harlowe is to have Emma Dean. Then we're a mutual admiration society, finished Emma, and there's no telling where we'll leave off. If I didn't have to go to Overton Hall, I wouldn't wear a hat, sighed Grace, half an hour later, reaching reluctantly for her hat. She and Emma had bathed their faces, rearranged their hair, and put on fresh lingerie blouses with their tailored suits. "'Are you ready, Emma? I wonder if Miss Reynolds is. I'll stop and see.' Grace knocked lightly on the newcomer's door. It was opened immediately. "'Are you ready, Miss Reynolds?' she asked, her alert eyes noting that the offending peplum had been tucked inside the black skirt and that mary reynolds with her hat off was a vast improvement on mary reynolds with her hat on she also observed that the girl's hair though drawn uncompromisingly back from her forehead showed a decided tendency to curl with her usual impulsiveness she exclaimed oh you have naturally curly hair haven't you it is such a pretty shade of brown do let me do it for you it's a pity not to make the most of it the girl regarded her with grave surprise. "'Are you making fun of me?' she asked seriously. "'Making fun of you?' repeated Grace. "'I should say not. I think you have beautiful hair. Why, what is it, Miss Reynolds?' For with a queer, choking cry, the odd little stranger threw herself face downward on the bed and sobbed disconsolately. Grace stood silent, watching the sob-wracked figure with puzzled, sympathetic eyes. Emma appeared in the doorway, her eyebrows alleviated in astonishment. Grace motioned for her to come in. The girl on the bed wept on, while the two young women waited patiently for her sobs to cease. Suddenly she sat up with a jerk and dashed her hand across her eyes. "'I'm sorry, I, I, I was so, so silly,' she faltered. I couldn't help it. No one ever told me that I was anything but plain and ugly before. You poor little thing, sympathized Emma. Grace sat down on the bed beside Mary and put her arm across her thin shoulders. Cheer up, she said brightly. I'm sure you're going to be happy at Overton. You feel blue just now because you were tired and hungry. Let me fix your hair and we'll hurry to Vinton's as fast as ever we can. I'm simply starved. Mary Reynolds obediently sat on the chair Grace placed for her, and the hairdressing began. Grace and Emma both exclaimed in admiration as Grace unbraided the soft golden brown hair, which, once free, broke into waves and curls. Did you ever see a prettier head of hair? exclaimed Emma. I think it would look best combed low over her forehead, don't you? Emma nodded her approval as Grace, with deft fingers, arranged the thick curly locks in a strictly smart fashion which completely changed Mary Reynolds' forlorn appearance.
Now look in the glass, directed Grace when she had finished. Mary gazed earnestly at her new self. It can't be me, she said with a pardonable disregard of English. But it is, Grace assured her. You must learn to do your hair like that and wear it so. Now let me put a tiny bit of powder on your face to scare away the tear stains and we'll be off. The obnoxious helmet-like hat did not seem so unbecoming now that Mary's curls peeped from under it, and Grace felt a certain degree of satisfaction in her efforts to make the new girl at least presentable. She decided that once her large brown eyes had lost their scared, anxious expression and her thin face had grown plump, Mary would be really pretty. During luncheon at Vinton's, Grace quietly studied her charge. There was something about Mary that reminded one of Ruth Denton, she decided. She and Emma made every effort to put the prospective freshman at her ease. By common consent, they refrained from asking any questions likely to produce another flood of tears. As for Mary herself, although visibly embarrassed at the ultra-smartness of Vinton's, the attention of the waiter, and the puzzling array of knives, forks, and spoons, she managed, by watching Grace and Emma, to acquit herself with credit. Thanks to Emma's never-failing flow of humorous remarks, the luncheon proved to be a merry meal, and before it ended, the forlorn girl looked almost happy. "'I'll see you later,' said Grace, as they paused for a moment in front of Vinton's. "'Emma, I leave Miss Reynolds in your care.' "'I accept the responsibility,' declared Emma, flourishing her parasol in fantastic salute. "'I'm going to march her home and put her to bed.' While I go to Overton Hall to learn her fate, smiled Grace. Goodbye. You may expect me when you see me. Grace swung across the campus toward Overton Hall at her usual brisk pace. A few moments more, and she would be fairly launched into her new undertaking. She had no desire to run out to meet the future, yet she could not refrain from wondering what her first year on the campus would bring her. So far, it had brought her Mary Reynolds, but somewhere in the world... There were thirty-one other girls whose faces were set toward Overton and Harlow House. A peculiar wave of dismay swept over Grace at the thought of actually being responsible for the welfare of so many persons. The old saying concerning the rushing in of falls where angels walk warily came involuntarily to her mind. Then she laughed and, squaring her capable shoulders, murmured half aloud, I'm neither a fool nor an angel. I'm just Grace Harlow, a mere ordinary human being, as Hippy would put it. I'm not going to be so silly as to expect to get along with a whole house full of girls without some friction. Like the gardens Anne and I planted away back in our freshman year, there are sure to be a few weeds among the flowers. End of chapter 8